welcome back to the Lila Joe Show and welcome to season two, the season of ice skaters. As a competitive ice dancer myself, I am lucky enough to train alongside and to know some of the best athletes in the sport of figure skating. Now, many of you listening may know these skaters, but you haven't necessarily had the chance to get to know them as people. This season, these skaters will be stepping down off of the podium to chat with me, and I've got a lot of questions for them. Today's conversation is with Zach Donahue. Zach, alongside his partner Maddie, are two-time world medalists. They were the 2018 Grand Prix Final Champions, Pyeongchang Winter Olympians, and are two-time U.S. National Champions. Zach is vivaciously curious, to say the least. He pursues whatever it is that sets his soul on fire. Zach's unconventional childhood provided a firm foundation for the man that he is today, yet he continues to be motivated by self-growth and the journey of authenticity. How did never fitting in as a young boy allow Zach to celebrate his uniqueness? Which musician does he compare his skating style to? What did skating with Maddie unleash in Zach that he had not been able to explore before? And what lessons did he learn amidst the adversity of his eye-opening Olympic debut? The answers to these questions and more are coming up next with Zach Donahue. Zach, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Lila. It's a pleasure to have you here. So my interviews are structured like workouts. We start off with a warm-up. Then we move on into a longer period of high-intensity questioning and then the cool-down to finish. How do you feel about that? Very cool. Okay. I'm excited. Let's do it. So let's start off with the warm-up, some quick fire to get the blood flowing. Countryside or city? Countryside. Yeah, that's what I thought. Acoustic or electric guitar? Ooh, acoustic, but I wouldn't have always said that. Okay. If you could go on a road trip on your motorbike, where would you most want to go? Ooh, I'd want to ride from the East Coast all the way to California. Oh my gosh. It's, it's on my bucket list. Okay, well, it has to happen. What is your favorite weekend activity in Montreal, regardless of the situation right now? If, you, mm, if things were regardless, open. Regardless, I would say, now that I have my bike back, it's torn between uh, sitting out in the patio on like a Saturday or Sunday morning when the sun rises and playing my guitar, or going for a ride during the sun. Nice. What was your favorite moment from your trip to Greece with your girlfriend, Olivia? Um, the start, the middle, and the end. <laughs> okay. No. So hard um, to pick. Actually, my favorite part, I'll pick one. I'll make it easy. I'll pick one. That's actually a fantastic question. I like that. Uh, favorite part about trip to Greece? That's hard because there was a lot. Like, we experienced so much just in Mykonos alone. Uh, I think... One of the moments that stands out to me the most because it was the most unplanned and unexpected was when we picked up the scooter that rented for us and we just got lost. Like we just rode by the sea and then we like just were, oh, it's back in that general direction. We'll head that way. That's not the way it works on an island. (laughs) And we ended up in some like developmental complex out by a lighthouse, which we then later discovered was actually like, um, it's a landmark. out there that people go to all the time. Some people were showing up, but it was amazing just kind of on top of the island and see everything below. Oh my gosh. And that's the kind of thing you can't plan for. Yeah, 100%. Like getting lost is the most amazing thing. Wow. Sounds like heaven. Now, <laughs> speaking of Olivia, have you adopted any British mannerisms since dating her? Ah. Uh... Well, anytime there's too many Brits in the same room, I start pretending that I'm British. That's the most annoying one. Or Scottish, right? <laughs> or Scottish. Or and Scottish. That one I, I do specifically say. for Louis. Yeah. Because that's, uh, yeah. He needs, that. he needs to feel like he's at home. <laughs> yep. Um, I've adopted some words for sure. Um, I don't think I could just spout them off at the top of my head. They just kind of happen, and I go, oh, <laughs> that's, that's British. Like, um, do you know what Olivia says that I love? Is she says, and whatnot. Yeah. And whatnot. Yeah. Or finishing a sentence with so. Yes. So. So. Okay, so what? What? It's what? a cliffhanger. <laughs> Suspense. That's exactly. right. If you could exactly. compare your skating style to the work of any musician, who would it be? 
amazing question. Thank you. That's a that, are we still on the speed round? Because it's going to take some years yeah, warming up there. I know. We could leave that for the cool down if you need to really have the main oh, no, workout I like it. to I prepare. Like it. I have one in mind. Um, I would have to say John Cooper from Skillet. Okay. Why? Um, because on stage, he's like super powerful, super energetic, over the top. Um, you know, they're like, they're hard rock, so it's just you know, super aggressive and powerful. Yeah. And that's the word that people most associate with me. But on the flip side of that, when he's at home, especially during this time, he's been putting out a lot of videos that are him playing acoustic versions of all of his songs. And like, mm. his voice is the same, but his energy is so flip side of that. And that feels exactly like me. That's so true. I love that comparison because a lot of people don't know this about you, but you're super outgoing in public settings, mm -hmm. but then you also have that other side, the more gentle, quiet side. Um, that you would yeah. show to people that you're closer with or at home. So that's a really cool comparison. For sure, yeah. Okay. And I've never even thought of that until you asked. I'm, actually, thank you for asking that. Oh, Because I've never really welcome. applied that analogy ever. You're more than welcome. Cool. Okay, are you warm? I am warm. Okay. I'm sweating in anticipation. Sweating. Okay, so let's get going <laughs> into the workout. You were All born right. in Connecticut and raised in mm -hmm. Madison. What is something that you miss about your childhood? So I would say that the thing I missed the most about my childhood was actually living with my aunt and uncle who, before my mom got remarried to Mike, um, my stepdad, they helped raise me. I did and not know that. They had four children who I was super close to, especially Jonathan, their youngest. And just the crazy amounts of memories. They had like a two or 300 acre farm. We would just get lost on. And the farm, that's actually where I started skating for the first time was their pond would freeze over. So I'd say like bonding time with the Tenzas is oh, that's definitely lovely. the biggest thing that I to this day miss. And so I mentioned music in the warm up because this is another talent of yours is singing and you love the guitar and even the musicality that you demonstrate on the ice is so evident. What role did music play in your life growing up? Ooh, that's a good question. It's actually a hard one to answer. Uh, because the easier answer is just to say, what didn't it play? Okay. Like, until I developed this, you know, more mature and really softening my soul and my heart and kind of discovering who I am and who I want to be, this more reserved side of me, all I did was sing at the top of my lungs all day, every day. To the point where, like, now I've kind of enjoyed the benefits of being able to put songs in people's heads so I make them do it all day. <laughs> I get to kind of just sit there and Tricky. tackle along at my, my shrewdness. But, um, yeah, I just, I sang everywhere. I mean, I, I met some great friends in my life because my mom would be like, oh my gosh, she sings as a recording studio. Uh, so we made some friends that owned a traveling recording studio and like, I want a trip to Nashville to go make a CD if I wanted to. And no way. Skating kind of took over and yeah, music was going to be what I did for my whole life. And then I had a moment of rebellion where my mom was like, you should do it. You should do it. I'm going to make my own path. Oh. And I was scared. <laughs> so why did your mom want this this path so much for you of music? Now that I'm older, I think it's because, well, she's a great singer and she's always had a really low self-esteem when it comes to her abilities. Okay. She's one of those people who gives so selflessly that she doesn't keep anything left for herself. Oh. And that includes her confidence. Mm. So I think being that I'm naturally musical and that I can sing, I think seeing the reaction of people and people that she trusted having this reaction of like, dude, this kid could go somewhere gave her kind of hope. And also she saw a way that she could help me find a future, something I was already naturally talented at. Wow. So it was really just from a place of love and wanting you to, to elevate to, yeah. to different heights. Like, I hope I can be a parent that's selfless, but at the same time, I'm like, like, huge news, my mom, just for the first time in her life, she's going on 60, I think. Uh, don't put the, I think, part in there. <laughs> I think. Um, <laughs> she just now, today, told me that she's um, purchasing her first car, her first new car. Oh, my gosh. Round of applause. Like, that to me is so huge, and I had to talk her into it almost and be like, Mom, like, treat yourself. You spent so many years paying uh... for my life, paying for everything, supporting everyone around you. Like, Oh, that's huge. Take some time to yourself and... Yeah. Is she just thrilled? 
Yeah, she's super thrilled. I think she's getting an extra kick. Yeah. Because while I've, you know, I like to tell people when I do like any motivational speaking that I learned all my lessons the hard way. One of them was um, with cars. I had the worst luck with cars. No money, so I bought all crap cheapy bombers that looked cool. Okay. You know, to feed my ego. Right. And uh, they all ended up having to be a situation my mom had to bail me out of. Oh. Including the first time we won four continents and I leased a car and then our lives changed and I wasn't working and I moved to Canada and my mom took over my Civic and ended up, you know, with that, stuck with that car. Oh, well, it was great because she needed a car. She wasn't, you know, hoping to have those pains hanging over her. Yeah. So now it's her choice. Like, yeah. No, she has done so much. Okay. Well, actually, I want to stay on the topic of your mom now because you speak so highly of her. Your Instagram is full of these heartfelt posts to her and you just seem to adore her so much. So what does your mom mean to you? Ooh, that is a brilliant yet complicated question. That's why I'm here. Because (laughs) I love that. Because my mom and I spent my whole, like beyond where I can remember that far back, she raised me on her own. You know, my dad left when I was 18 months old. So um, she was alone for a huge chunk of it, working at some point when I was skating three jobs to put me through skating, um, raising me in the most amazing way possible when it comes to giving me a strong sense of morality and right and wrong and just helping me stand apart from a world that follows trends and I used to think that my not being able to fit in was such a, a downside, but she really helped me find my uniqueness at an earlier age than I think most people do. Okay. And just in general, having that much love and support unconditionally, no matter what kind of crap I threw at her, it's just mind-blowing. Like, the relationship we have is so amazing but so complicated because it's gone up and down and up and down and That's up what and makes down. it beautiful, you know, though. I think it's... It's super different with a guy and his mom, with a guy and his dad, or vice versa, like a daughter and a dad, daughter, mom. Yeah. Because moms, they have this innate DNA-driven sense to be a mother until the day they die, whereas dads are like, cool, you're 18, get out, peace, independence. (laughs) Guys, we have that same thing, so when, you know, you hit a certain age, it's all push back, push back, push back. Mm. Um, And she never gave up on me, stubborn as I was. And what's this uniqueness that you, that you found with her help when you were younger, when you felt like you couldn't fit in? Um, I think it's a bit of accepting the side of me that everyone sees and assumes is all there is. A loud, fast-talking, hyper-energetic person. And I used to always see that as so different because no one else around me was like that. And so she really under- like helped me understand that um, first of all, design perfect. You know, we don't always choose the paths that keep us perfect, but we're all designed perfect. And that there was a reason for it. And once I started falling into the flow, as Stephanie likes to say, um, or leaning into the current to properly quote her there, mm-hmm. uh, and just started listening to her advice and just being okay with everything about myself, I started understanding the duality of my personality and just what was at my core. Mm-hmm. And from there, it was just really easy to be like, okay, who cares if I fit in? Like, this is me. That's you, and owning it. Yeah. It's lovely. And you mentioned your dad left when you were very, very young, but you've said in the past that even though he wasn't present at the beginning, he's played a huge role in helping you grow right now in your life. So what values sure. do you attribute to his role in your life? Well, it's crazy, actually, because um, just before... Well, actually, I didn't realize this. So if I'm being accurate to the timeline, we went to the games. And apparently before we had gone, he friend requested me, but he had a different name on Facebook. On Facebook. So I had no clue who he was. And at that point, you know, oh, you didn't, as soon as you hit that stage... You weren't in contact with him at all? Nope. Oh, my gosh. Nope. Okay. Absolutely no contact. I had no clue, all these questions. And my mom never talked about it. It was one of those things that to this day, we've never really talked about it. Okay. Um... You know, I think there's a lot of painful memories there, and where him and I talk now occasionally on Messenger, but I'm not sure if he's schizophrenic or if he's just very scarred. But he's he's definitely has some issues. So, you know, I, I kind of keep a little bit of distance while at the same time, like, 
you know, wanted to help him heal because all he talks about is how terrible he feels and that he loves me and this and that, um, which is amazing. But you know, you got to respect your your inner core too. Absolutely. Um, so we just started talking maybe before nationals this season and I never really realized until he was back in my life what I actually learned from him like while I would say that it's unfortunate to grow up with only one parent my mom was both my mom and my dad and there are definitely huge developmental gaps that were missing from the younger part of my life, not having a father figure, a role model. Um, you know, I chased male leader figures for most of my younger life. Okay. And once he kind of stepped back into it, I kind of learned every, I realized rather everything that I learned on my own. And it gave me such a sense of not arrogant pride, but pride in yeah. my accomplishment and being able to actually see the journey like one of the reasons I advocate for journaling so much is seeing the progress and being able to have a physical marker that you can look back and be like wow look where I was look where I came from and so, so I'd say that's what he is in my life right now with so, no negative connotations there's no like what a piece of crap blah, blah blah it's just like with everything that was geared against me with him being an alcoholic which you know is an actual physical disease that runs in my blood like that's something I've never had to struggle with um I have a great mentality about it there's tons of things that maybe could have gone wrong from him not being in my life that didn't. I actually attribute my musical talent to him. He was an exceptionally talented musician. Always played a 12-string guitar, um, multiple instruments, great singer, wrote, wrote music. Um, so, I mean, yeah, there's just a lot of positive that came out of me having the parents I did, whether they were in my life or not. Mm. It's, it's really amazing that you have that perspective and that you're so accepting and and satisfied with where you are now and where you came from. So, so you spoke about journaling briefly there and how you were able to look back at those, those moments in time, those turning points. Was there a specific defining moment in your childhood that set you onto the trajectory to the man that you are today? Oh, childhood, no. Or you? I've got to say until I was about 28 years old, from, from the time that I was, let's see, when did I move out? I'd say that from the time I was 16 to about 28, I was kind of on a just do it my own way, stubborn, bullheaded, you know, fighting all of my demons kind of trajectory. Um, it's only recently that I've gone back to my childhood and my faith and mm. just discovering what it is my soul's been trying to tell me. Um, and I think that that actually started at the games because <laughs> I spent so long in my life denying that part. Okay. Whereas like, I think the normal trajectory, you know, I use normal loosely because what the heck is normal would just be, you know, an even plane with a bit of drops, um, a trajectory of upward growth, right? Yeah. At least in one direction you're growing. Even if the path isn't straight, you're growing. Um, whereas mine just went completely right for a while. <laughs> And then, you know, had to make a U-turn to get back on track. Yeah. And I know that you have an Olympic rings tattoo and that you plan on mm -hmm. moving it and potentially replacing it with a tattoo to honor your grandmother. Yes. So I want to hear about your relationship with your grandmother. What, what did she teach you? Oof. I yodel for one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, a lot. I mean she's my mom's mom you know like yeah my grandmother had four daughters they are disturbingly similar really okay <laughs> um you know like all of the strengths that my mom has that you know I think most people if they met her would be like gosh she's super stubborn you know she's super adamant close-minded yes at a first glance until you take the time to understand her but she gets that from her mom like and it's not that, it's such a confidence in self of knowing herself and knowing like, this is how I am, this is how I believe, this is how I feel. Um, and I got that from my grandmother a lot because when my mom was working a lot before she got uh, married to my stepdad, uh, there were times that I'd actually live with my grandmother because her work schedule wouldn't be great. And so my grandmother was closer to my best friend growing up. 
Oh. So for some, sometimes I and I was always homeschooled, so mm-hmm. I would stay at her place. Um, we actually lived with her for a while, my mom and I. Um, while she first started dating Mike, um, we were still living with my grandmother, and it was amazing. Like I grew up riding horses. Uh, she raised Morgans for the longest time. She loved horses. Uh, she loved my skating. She was always a huge fan of it. Um, I'd say stopping and smelling the flowers it would be what I learned from her to borrow that expression. Aww. Like she, she would sit there. Like my my favorite memories of her are sitting on the patio or in her porch, depending on what time of the season it was, like the little den, just watching the birds. That's what they're they like that American family that they had like the books and the glass and the binoculars and oh, they had forty seven different suet feeders and. She just loved sitting there every morning and staring out the window and noticing everything. I mean, they had one, two, three, three pastures. They had a fourth that overgrew. They didn't keep the horses. So in three pastures, four horses at one point, just so much vibrance going on. They had two geese that, I swear to God, were the spawn of Satan. <laughs> they were just you know, wild geese that, you know. Would they like, bite oh, you? You want food? You now live here. Oh, yeah. Um. You know, like she was so giving. At one point, she worked the school that I was going to. Uh, I went to like private elementary school, um, and the, like, the youngest grade, maybe like first grade. And she was like, "Oh well, I want to be closer to you. And if you need a friend, since you don't know anybody, I'm gonna work in the school cafeteria." <laughs> Just wow. all these crazy things. She actually, she even paid off my debts in Michigan so that I could, uh, well, lent me the money rather. I'm glad she didn't just pay it off and taught me some responsibility, but. She lent me the money to move to Montreal and help me get set up here so I could continue skating. So with all of those amazing lessons, what tattoo can you get that, that sums that up or that means enough? Well, it's funny because in getting a tattoo, which she didn't, she and my mom both don't like. Okay. My mom's coming around. Okay, okay. She has her favorite now, which I find hilarious. Which one, one is that? for me. When I was 18, right? Like, oh. mom got my first tattoo. <laughs> Who would have thought? Uh, um, but my grandmother was also like, oh, come on, you're ruining your body, la, la, la. Which is a common viewpoint, I guess, that a lot of people have teach their own, but I love them. They're art. They're an expression of self to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I would definitely have to do something with a horse. Um, uh, for one point, I was just going to get a very detailed, like, find someone who's really good at tattooing eyes. And like have like the softest loving expression in the eyes, but I realized how difficult that would be, and that over time those things can blur and fade. And I wanted something that would kind of last in more amateur for such a long time. So I've almost gone with something kind of like a black Pegasus. Kind of, it was going to be the only colored tattoo I was going to do because she loved the fall and the autumn, like the colors and Aww. leaves would change and everything. We would go for drives for hours and just look at the leaves changing and singing like old folks songs. Oh my gosh, <laughs> oh, it's gosh. like a movie. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm, the the base of it, who knows what the surrounding will be, and it'll have to be tricky because I have to cover up uh, three other tattoos to do it. Oh, but gosh. the base of it will be uh, a black Pegasus. Yeah. Okay. Well, I can't wait to see it when you do get it. It's going to be a little while, but yeah, <laughs> me too. So you mentioned you started skating out on the ponds where, where your cousins live. So moving into skating now, which is your, your main thing at the moment, although you pursue so many different crafts mm-hmm. and hobbies, you, okay, I'm going to set the scene here. It's 2008 <laughs> Junior Grand Prix in Cape Town, South Africa. You had recently teamed up with your previous partner, Piper Gillis, and come head-to-head with a girl called Madison Hubble and her brother, Kiefer. What was this first encounter with Maddie like for you? Terrifying. Really? (laughs) Oh, terrifying. Tell me. Actually terrifying. And I'll tell you why. It wasn't even them, although that was like the competition that Maddie was like, I do not like this guy for two reasons. We'll get to that. The first thing I realized <laughs> is we get on the session, and now Cape Town is not like an ice rink place, right? They don't have these huge things. It was like, okay, you go through the super luxurious casino into a little shopping mall, and then there's a singular ice rink. Okay. With like three tiers of seating, maybe five. Very small. Something you do like when you're a child competing for the first time. Uh-huh. Which was already kind of like, oh, this is very new. Like, 
it was only my first ever junior grand prix my ever second ever international um and i see maddie and Kiefer with their coaches at the time yasin yuri and there was a metronome playing because they couldn't get the music and the coaches were slapping the walls to the rhythm and they weren't doing compulsories they were doing their free program Ooh. yeah Ooh. and i was like oh this is like a whole new level and they're like they're doing these super high leg kicks and like just very like robotic bah, 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 bah. they were like machines and i had no clue what i was doing with my life i was just like whoa i'm so glad to be here in south africa i just won my first grand prix yay i'm in another country yay and <laughs> then the next day they're with that metronome again doing push-ups and sit-ups like and stretching and everything with their coaches standing over them like very like it's like, okay, wow, cool. That's scary. And then she beats me. Yeah. We came second. They came first. Shenanigans. No, I mean, they definitely won. I mean, they, <laughs> they, at the, they were at the point where they were getting ready to, to do senior at national. Yeah. So, I mean, they were. Yeah, she did justify it that way, too, when I interviewed her. She, so, yeah. she was like, to be fair, we were moving up to senior soon, you know. Yeah, so, it, it's okay. were, I was just starting junior from intermediate. I didn't compete now. It was like intermediate, a competition, novice, junior. Okay, like, so second's pretty great. Pressure. Second's pretty great. Yeah. yeah. So you said that she had some preconceptions about you, and she <laughs> did. She so did nicely. tell me that. Um, <laughs> said she was slightly <laughs> reluctant to skate with you um, for for those reasons. But I'm wondering, did you have any first impressions of her? that were proven wrong upon getting to know her? Ooh, yes, definitely. So one of my flaws in my younger years was I didn't form a lot of opinions for myself. So I listened to a lot of people being like, oh, she's cold, you know, she's just super emotionless, she's ice clean and all, all this stuff. And actually when we were there, because of our situation, Piper and I were not getting along at that point. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of drama that we don't have to go into about that because I don't want anything bad to be said about Piper. I have nothing bad to say about her, but at that point we were just dealing struggling with our relationship and, you know, girls being girls, they kind of got together and they were the unified force of let's support Piper, not this new weirdo, Zach, who's wants like some crazy outfit to look like all of his Russian trends and just did not fit in with the American ice dance scene at all. <laughs> There's that not fitting in again. Uh -oh. um, and she was just giving me so much crap. I mean, to the point where I was like, what did you have against me? asked that but I was just like flabbergasted um, and it was only later that I found out that was why but that lasted until maybe a few weeks into no until after our first competition in uh, as a team hmm. and she yeah. said that she was reluctant to skate with anyone other than Kiefer because she never even saw that as a possibility so did you notice any hesitancy or resistance when first skating with her? <laughs> That's an amazing question. I'm not laughing at your question itself. I'm laughing because I just hear her voice going to Natalia, uh, one of our coaches at the time, please don't make me skate with him. <laughs> so, yeah, so the answer is yes. And it was yeah, obvious. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. What did skating with Maddie unleash within you that you had not been able to explore previously in your skating? So, okay, that's deep. Wow. Yeah, get Great deep. Question. Go for it. I like it. Okay, yeah, we're not warming up anymore. No, this is the workout. Uh, if I have to be honest, I would say that there was always a part of me that knew that I was more naturally talented maybe than my partners up to that point. Okay. Uh, um, so there was a part of me that knew that I was doing enough to get by. We were winning medals. I was winning junior Grand Prix, qualifying for junior worlds, even though we didn't get to go the first time we qualified, Piper and I. Um, the partner after that, um, a very sweet, amazing girl, one of the most amazing women I've ever met in my life. Uh, but again, not a great skater, and I was not in a great point of time in my life, but I wanted to push myself. So, uh, you know, again, just skating by to to be really, really cheesy. Um, the second I started skating with Maddie, it was like, oh, dude, step it up. Like, this is a powerful, strong, independent girl. Like, you're going to have to work your butt off to keep ahead of her. 
And that was my goal when we first met because we didn't like each other, right? We were competitive. And competitive. As, you know, as we, you know, as we got closer in our relationship and I started really seeing us as a team, it became like, no, dude, you got to step it up because, like, you need to be the best you can be for her. Like, oh. you guys have something amazing and you love this girl and, like, you need to be at your absolute best at all times, take care of her, be whatever partner she needs to be. Like, oh. you be that. That's so nice. And she said that you're her skating soulmate. Do you feel the same way? Oh, yeah. Not a, yeah, like, I've skated with other people, and like, I'm like, why does your hand feel weird? Like, don't hold my hand like that. Like, I'll do lifts with people, and, like, just like, okay, can I do it with now? <laughs> like, and even beyond that, like, the way we think about music, the way we connect is so natural. Like, there's, you know, when, you, when you're in a, a situation with someone and there's no thought, it's just, yeah. like, yeah. You can just be. Mm-hmm. So I have this little segment on my show where I have my guest create the Instagram bio of their skating partner. So you're in charge of Maddie's Insta bio. For everyone that doesn't know her, what are a few key details that you absolutely must include so that people can understand who Madison Hubble is? I would say that her bio would read like this. Madison Hubble... Ice dancer with a little white skate emoji. Yep. A little red salsa girl. Hey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, next would be, I live with my heart and through my soul. That would be like her, her, big, her mm. big thing because she's the most authentic person I, I know. I Whether know. it's right or wrong, she's authentic to herself in every moment. I live with my heart and through my soul. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I don't think I can, I'm not even going to try to add to that. There's other things I could say that people could guess at. She yeah. runs a business, you know, she's starting up her own business and all that. But oh like, that's, gosh. that's Maddie to a T. Well, I think that's like a mic drop Insta bio. So you don't need to say anything else. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Why do you value your relationship with Maddie? Hmm. That's a really good question. Wow. I mean, let's see. Out of almost everyone in my life, she has supported me so wholeheartedly whether it's sneaking videos of me singing in the car and car rides and trying to get people to notice me or um you know just bragging about me when i'm not even there to always having my back on the ice no matter how low i'm feeling i'm, mm. I'm super self-critical and she's always the first person to like have that backhand waiting of like oh, confidence <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, um yeah, I mean, we've been through so much together that I would say, like, there's a part of that skating soulmate thing that trickles into every other part of our relationship. Like, I don't know what my life would be without her at this point. Be- not just because of the success I've had, but the support and love that have come, not just from her, but from her whole family. Mm. She means a lot I feel to like me. a lot of gratitude in my life right now. We're going to talk more about gratitude in a little bit because I'm a gratitude advocate. I love it. I love it. I love that. I love that. You're listening to The Lila Joe Show. So let's talk about the Olympics. Mm -hmm. You said it was a time of self-discovery, which brought you to your depths, but it was also a way to accelerate growth because failure is a launch pad. Now, your Mm -hmm. result was fantastic. So in what way do you view this competition as a failure? So there's two main ways. Um, that's actually a really great way of asking that question because um, technically, yes, we did place fourth at our first Olympic Games. Very few people get that. Um, even with how unique of sports skating is, like very few people get that. Yeah. But I think the, the first part of that failure would be the skating part because we were capable of so much more. We were in third, um, you know, I, I said it so poorly after the games that we gave away our medal. It wasn't our medal until it's around our necks. Mm. But we had a shot, and we did hand away that opportunity with small mistakes and lack of focus and just the way we trained up to that, not really fully being confident in ourselves and believing in ourselves. So that would be the first failure in my mind. And I don't like to use the word failure even because a failure is subjective, right? Yeah. It's just, it's exactly that. It's, the next bounce on the launch pad 
of your acceleration. You know, you've got to go down to gain that acceleration. Yeah. The second and the one that I find the most important because skating is so small and so temporary, um, would just be my character. For me, the games was just such a abuse of everything I thought that I was as a, as a man and as a person. Um, then I just completely flipped on myself and I don't know to this day if it was due to the fact that Liv and I had just broken up before that as we'd been struggling for a while or if it was due to, you know, being super upset and hard at myself about our placement and being disappointed. Um, but just my whole mindset around that time was just not where it should have been as an elite athlete. It was focused on everything else. Hmm. Um, and so after that, like Maddie was, you know, she confronted me. She, like listen like I experienced you as such a different person it was so hard to connect with you for all of these different reasons and I had to be like wow who the heck have I let myself become Mm. because things don't just happen we choose like every single thing in this life is a choice yeah and it was that like who did I choose to become and I was like okay hard stop e-brake drift around the corner new direction let's go done so what was the most unexpected thing that you discovered about yourself in that time? And how did you heal from reaching those depths of yourself? That was very well. You, you're very eloquent. Thank you so much. <laughs> amazing way of speaking. Thank it's you. So it doesn't feel you. like that all this the time. Like... <laughs> but I well, appreciate it. Vermont a lot and he has a way of making everyone feel that way. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Very true. <laughs> I would say that the biggest thing I learned about myself was that I wasn't being authentic. Um, yeah, there's no better way of saying it like that. I wasn't being authentic to who I was. And as to what did I do to heal, I'll let you know when I finished because it's okay. still a very clear ongoing process. And you've certainly <laughs> launched to great heights from this, this bounce that we spoke about. And you have such zest and commitment for all that you do. And it's just a pleasure to see, really. And you. you said, yes, we want to win. We've always made our own wins, be that gold, silver, bronze, or last place. We go away with a certain mentality, attack our programs. So how do you apply this mentality of attack to all that you do, and where do you find the courage to do so? Well, you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. There's no courage behind it. Really? It's risky. <laughs> I would say that... Most of the things that I have achieved in this life have just been abandoned all sense of anything and just act blind faith more so than courage. Hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe this because the partnership with Maddie, I didn't think through it felt right. I injured myself the one time her parents came out to see us skate. Oh, I didn't no. skate for like three weeks. Oh, and no. I was like, yeah, no questions. Yeah, I'm going to go for this. It feels right. That's, I mean, a lot of people I think to this day would describe me as indecisive because I change and commit to things so quickly. Okay. But it's I, – I, I even stick my – I don't stick my toe in the water. I stick my foot, if that makes sense. Like. Oh, okay, I like that. Let yeah. me truly explore and commit myself to this and see how my soul reacts to that rather than sitting back thinking about the applications of one thing or another and then making a decision and then trying to go back and fix that decision and change course. I just go, you know what? I'm going to commit to this for a second. I'm going to settle into it, remove the state of emotion and fear and see if this is authentic. And you know what? I don't really care about other people's opinions of me. If I made a mistake or if I ended up in a place I didn't want to end up in, it's not really their problem. I have, I have the power to change where I'm at. So I'm not going to dwell on anything other than where I want to go next. And I think that's been every move we've made with changing programs to music, to deciding I wanted to start more of a motivational speaker type journey than, um, anything else. Like, I mean, I think for a long time, social media was just a platform of me to try and get more popular in skating and have potential sponsorships and a job and yada, yada. I just, even with that reaction to my soul, I'm way more about wanting to just give back 
And that's that in itself, I'd say, is kind of terrifying because there's such an unknown and there's more fear in actually opening up yourself and being vulnerable to people and not knowing how they're going to take it or accept it or reject you. And even in that, I was just like, dude, you got to do it to do it right now. Like, put your, you know, you can make breakfast later, go upstairs and plan. (laughs) And then I ate four hours later at like one o'clock forgetting to have breakfast. Like it's, it's just become part of my personality. Wow. And you know Um, what? Vulnerability is strength. Yeah. It really is. I definitely have a lot of empathy. Okay. Yeah. Um, I have a lot, I've access to a lot of empathy, but when it comes to vulnerability and actually opening up myself to like releasing control of emotions, like I think I've cried maybe five times in the past 15 years, which is like crazy. Cause I've had a lot of weird, crazy stuff happen mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. You know, I cried at my grandmother's funeral. I cried at a movie I watched the other day because it just spoke to my soul. Which movie? I cried when I fell in Finland. Uh, it's called uh, I Still Believe. Okay. Everyone listens. A, Everyone listening needs to watch that then. Sounds like it's yeah, impactful. Yeah, it's an amazing movie. For those, for anyone who's questioning faith or has any kind of questions about faith or what it's like, that would definitely be the movie to go to. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about gratitude. Mm-hmm. In another very inspiring Instagram post, you love your quotes. You really do. You said... <laughs> now, you're talking about quoting or my quotes? Well, there's different I don't actually well. <laughs> know what this is, but it was on your Instagram. I don't know if you wrote it or not. Don't curse the storms we encounter in life. It takes some rain for us to grow. So for which rainstorm in your life were you most grateful? I would say that the biggest rainfall or thunderstorm or however you want to describe it, I actually love thunderstorms. One of my favorite things in the world. So wild. That's amazing. So wild, yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say that the biggest one is actually just kind of my whole life right now. Everything that's happened um, since the world kind of went on pause, to put it uniquely. It's not really the case. Nothing pauses. But, um, you know, I, I had to face everything. Like, there's no skating distractions. There's no anything. There's just the reality of what actually is in this moment. There's nothing to distract us from that. Our inner voices are going crazy. Our inner dialogue, our loneliness, our fears, our worries, our stresses. There's no escape. No escape. No. I don't mean to say that this isn't by any means a good thing happening right now, although I think a lot of good will come out of what's happening around the world. You know, I'm hoping that people will kind of notice that there's like a 30% decrease in, you know, carbon emissions around the world and like everything is functioning better. People won't because that's not in our nature. We're too greedy for that, but... Um, I do think that a lot of good is going to come out of this. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think, like you said, it's a time of stillness, and then that gives us a chance to reflect and to see what choices we do need to make right now for mm-hmm. self-growth and for building a community out of this. If you could give credit or thanks to one person in your life that you don't give enough credit or thanks to, who would it be? It'd have to be my mom. Okay. I've been very vocal about thanking most of the people in my life, but for such a long time, I, I really realized how much I took advantage of my mom, not outside of what I think any normal child would do. Yeah. Um, because it's that relationship with your parents. It's, it's, you know, you ask and they give and they give and they give and they give and you never really understand when, like what goes on behind the scenes and what they're sacrificing so that you can have it like, yeah, cool, my mom worked three jobs. I was there for one of them watching movies and chilling, and I helped her fold some clothes. I was there, too. No, no, like, as an adult, the time and, like, ten years of sleeping four hours a night. Oh, my gosh. The things that that woman has done, not just for myself, but for everyone around her, is, if there were a million people in the world like that today, we would live in a very different universe. And another unbelievable woman in your life is your beautiful girlfriend, Olivia. <laughs> yeah. Um, you wrote about Olivia. You continuously surprise me, continuously challenge me. I know without a doubt you always have my back and will be by my side. While we have struggled at times, your desire to grow pushes me in the same. How has Olivia helped you grow, Zach? In her growth, I would say that's... Okay. That's the cleanest answer. I mean, when we first started dating, we were two completely different persons. And that didn't, she used to be a people pleaser. And mm-hmm. she would, you know, just do whatever she thought would make her the happiest in that situation. You know, the path of least resistance kind of a thing. And 
she's taken such huge strides in becoming authentic herself and understanding who she is and what's at her core and the person she wants to be. And the girl's 23 years old. It takes people into their thirties to discover that sometimes. So then what does that... That's probably one of the most inspiring things for me. Okay. And how does that reflect in you? That's a good question. How does that reflect in me? Well, I would have to say that if anything, it's, it's taught me patience and perseverance because those are not two things that I'm naturally equipped with. And just the, the, those little markers I talked about earlier where you can kind of look back and see progress. Yeah. Um, just the steady grind, you know, like they always say, like the turtle won the race because, you know, he didn't kill himself. Slow and steady. Yeah. Slow and steady. Slow and steady. And she's always authentic. She doesn't leap ahead. And that inspiration to just stay authentic, I think is the most authentic Wow, it's a very big word of the day. Let's do that six more times. Authentic, 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 authentic. Now it's out of my system. Okay. Um, Pick another word. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's, it's the word of the day. Yeah, it's fine. We'll start with A and we'll, we'll get to Z. It'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's, yeah, definitely what I admire the most about her and what I think has inspired me to find my authenticity is mm. the past four years that we've spent together. Wow, four years already? That's crazy. Almost. Oh wait, no, yeah, we're just past the four year mark. Yeah. Four years. Okay, so you're you're building this wonderful life together and clearly inspire each other in so many ways. So I want you to imagine your life ten years from now. Dream scenario. What are you doing? Who are you with? And where are you? Oh my. Well, if I'm being honest, you know, there's Liv and I have really entered this place of self-discovery, so I don't want to put any pressure on her because who knows if she'll hear this or not and be like, I expect you to be with me. So I want her to be feel free to choose her own future. So the who, I'm, who am I with, I'm going to leave open okay. because I want her to have that room to grow. That's really nice. And, and I don't want to hold her back in that way. Like I want her to feel that she has the freedom to become the flower that she's meant to be and not oh. me trying to create some hybrid version of her that I think is right. Um okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave that one as it is. Yeah. Um, where am I? I'm definitely in the States coaching. Um, that's not the only thing I want to do. So I'm hoping that within 10 years I have an, another business built. Or um, I'm going to try getting into music more. I'm, I've started writing music again. Oh, nice. So I'm actually like learning properly rather than just going with my natural talent and picking things up from whatever I could learn. I'm going to actually start taking lessons and learning how to properly play so that I can do a quality, decent job. Oh my gosh. Um, so a musician and a coach. Um, I, I want to be a motivational speaker as well, for sure. I think you'd be great at that. Oh, thank you. I really do. Thank you. It's very sweet. So now, Zach, it's time to cool down. That was our workout. All right, let's do it. So I have this new section in my podcast called The Quarantine Quotient. A formula to enhance our spirits and experience during this unsettling time. So with the idea of mind, body, and soul, I broke it into curiosity, vitality, and spirituality or serenity. So we're going to start with vitality because you have really, you've dived, it sounds like the wrong word, you've dived into this recently um, since everything slowed down. Tell me about your new morning routine that sets you up for a productive day. Oof. Okay. Disclaimer: The last week has been slightly lazy. That's okay. Um, I think I, I burned myself out a little bit with starting an Instagram page, a YouTube page, editing, making videos, all this stuff, and I was like, dead. Like I'm probably gonna have an eight o'clock bedtime tonight. Nice. Um, so the actual plan um, is five thirty, five o'clock wake up, depending on when my day is gonna start skating wise. So it's alarm set to go off at five, and I'll either wake up then or I'll you know, slowly wake up to about 5.30, and then I I make my coffee, um, I pick up the Bible and read for a while, do my devotions, and then some meditation, and I do a bit of morning activation. Nice. Um, protein shake. Um, I'll, make, I'll have a small breakfast before leaving for the rink. Um, although right now we're kind of talking about the quarantine version, right? So I'll yes. do my quarantine version. Okay. I'm like, what rink? Am I missing out on this rink? Like, Wait, no, what? <laughs> yeah, I didn't so, know yeah, we were skating. So it's, it's, it's nice because our classes don't start till 11. The first yeah. One. So by the time I'm settled at about 6 a.m., I'm 
upstairs reading with a cup of coffee, mm. um, waiting for the sun to rise. I get to watch the sun's, um, sunrise come up, which is my favorite part of the morning. Um, and then once I, you know, kind of get my mind where I want it to be, I start writing out my videos or scripts as I call them for whatever I'm, I'm feeling strongly towards or whatever people have written me on Instagram asking for help with. Um, I try to write so that my thoughts are a bit more structured mm-hmm. and then I plan, um, just the logistics of other things in my life. And by that point, it's 9am, Liv's waking up. <laughs> a little later. So I make, uh, I make breakfast and then, uh, I'll probably game for a while at that point. I'll like, just take some time to just chill. Yeah, that's I'll play important. music depending on what she has. Like, maybe sometimes she has a workout or something going on. So I'll let her have her space to wake up in the morning and do whatever she needs to do. And I just had, you know, potentially four to five hours to myself. So. And sure. so you've recently embarked on this journey of going bulletproof. What ins- what inspired this? What's the purpose of this for you? So one of my big insecurities is my body, right? I am not an ice dancer. I am. It's my what? choice. I'm not built like one. I'm built like, at best, a pair skater, <laughs> at most commonly talked about, a linebacker or oh. a football player. Okay. American football. Yeah. Like, if I walk in this room, we're like, what do you do? And they're like, you play football, like, rugby. And I'm like, nope. <laughs> I'm an ice dancer. Ice dancer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel pretty. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I would say that I've always struggled with just not being a super skinny, lean guy. No, that's... That's okay. <laughs> and it's just not my body type. And it took me a long time to get comfortable with that and be like, okay, cool. So, you're more like... Um, Thor, then you are Spider-Man. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> so now you're like kind of a demigod of thunder. It's great. You rock it. <laughs> no, so, um, but even so, I've always struggled to be lean. Like I can put on muscle super easy. Um, I've always had a higher body fat percentage and it bugs me when I look at costumes and stuff. And while I'm happy with my body and the way I look, I was always like, you know what? Let's see if I can just commit to something because I've always tried things for a couple of weeks, the fads and whatnot. And it yeah. work. So it was actually Patrice, our coach, who started this bulletproof thing to lose weight for himself. Um, and he lost a ridiculous amount of weight, almost to the point where we're like, okay, dude, cheeseburger, now, go. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was me, at least. And I was vocal about it. <laughs> um, so it took me a few months, and I wanted to wait to the end of the season. But I was like, well, why not do it now? Like, I'm not skating. It's not going to negatively affect me. I'm not going to get so weak I can't do what I need to do. So I'm going to give it a try. And it's amazing. I get to eat so much bacon. Oh, that's tempting. <laughs> so the, the coolest thing is this bulletproof coffee, which is actually grass-fed butter or ghee if you're vegan. Yeah. And um, MCT oil okay. or coconut oil if you don't have MCT oil. And wow. it's just it's just brain food. It's exactly what it is. Like my since I started doing it, my brain is so sharp. Like I don't get hungry. I don't get cravings. I'm just on all the time. There's that's no fog so cool. in my mind. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah. Okay, moving sure. moving on to serenity slash spirituality. I think we're gonna go more <laughs> spirituality because you said recently you've um, you've really connected to your faith, and mm-hmm. I was wondering, was this ingrained in you early on, or is it something that you discovered on your own? So yes, I was actually raised in a in a very Christian household, um, and you know I just kind of went with it when I was young and just did whatever I was expected because when you're young you. Just do what your parents tell you for the most part. Um, But it was always something that felt right to me ever ever since leaving home at, God, what was I? 15? I was 15 when I left home to uh, pursue one of my partnerships. Uh, I kind of looked at the world through that filter and then started kind of opening my mind a bit more and just... Nothing ever felt right without it, if that makes sense. Like, um, I, I tried for so long to just live whatever way I felt and the way everyone else was living around me. And it, at one point, and I think that actually this movie was a big turning point where, like, I kind of saw that kind of devout faith actuated into a real-life situation. And, um, you know, I, I've seen him play live. I've heard him talk about his story. It's so real. Um that it was just so undeniable. And I was like, why am I denying myself this truth that I know? And this part of me that is so authentic, like 
there's another one of those moments where it's like you know the world may not understand it but this is what i believe and this is who i am so yeah um there is actually a serenity that comes with that a certain peace like it feels so right and authentic not because it was what i was taught not because the people i respect in my life had that lifestyle but just because when i'm reading the bible or i'm studying and listening to the services that i mean online right now is the most amazing thing ever aside from the amazing work i can do there's um churches from all over the world and teachings from all over the world whether you're a buddhist a taoist uh, um if you're into zen or anything like there's teachings for it everywhere yeah. and um this church that i found is live streaming their thing and just it feels so undeniably right in my heart that there is such a peace that has now entered my life if that makes yeah. sense it's kind of like when you said you don't stick your dip your toe into the water you put your foot in you're committing to this and it feels right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. exactly it, right yeah yeah it's more like okay stuck the foot in yeah that feels right let's go head first let's head go first dive into the deep yeah. end yeah. i love that what does meditation look like for you i know you mentioned you do this in your morning routine so i was always based of course on growing up with a christian background i was always kind of like ah meditation yoga blah, so yeah. bad not having a clue what it was <laughs> now um i'm not one who likes to find self i don't believe it in using meditation for that okay. i use meditation for clarity um you know i am even at my calmest my mind is going a million miles an hour uh, it's actually when i'm at the calmest my mind is able to go that fast and actually process and not just be a blur of random shenanigans that's my favorite word by the way um so for me when i meditate it's it's about connecting to my breath it's about emptying my mind and allowing a space I meditate whenever I need to find an answer that I know I already know, but I'm having a hard time tracking down or putting a finger on. When I need to set a clear intention and I can't focus, um, I would say that meditation for me is the purest form of grounding that I can find. Hmm. It's probably the best descriptor of it. That's nice. And on Twitter recently, you've been doing these gratitude lists, which I think is so lovely and something that everyone can do. So right now... Three things. What are you grateful for, Zach? I am grateful that I have my meditation device, my bike. (laughs) I am grateful for um, the passion that lies within music. Mm -hmm. And I am grateful for every single person that is in or has ever come into my life. It's a big one, but it's... A gratitude based on what I've gotten out of it. So it's a bit of a selfish gratitude, but I've learned so much from everyone in my life. I'm learning so much from you. Um, learned so much from, you know, even watching Lewis and his commitment to everything he does, um, how hard he works. Um, it's crazy how he does it, really. He's a machine. Maybe it's the Scottish genes or something. I'm not Maybe. sure. He just... He's mentally throwing logs over his back and just yeah. doing Scottish games. Like, yeah, exactly. So finally, curiosity, which is my yes. favorite one, by the way. I saw this tweet that you wrote and I loved it. You asked a brilliant question. If you could choose to be quarantined with one person, who would it be? And you said Keanu Reeves so that you could pick his brain. So my question mm-hmm. is, what would you want to know? How much time do you have? Um, so let's <laughs> just say one, you get one question. What? Oh, okay. That that's mean. That's mean. Okay. What is your starting question? You know what? No, I could do it in one question. Okay. But it would be it would be to beg him to tell me his life story. Okay. Don't teach me anything. I don't want words of advice. Just let me hear your life story through your eyes, because what the man has been through and the soul that he is, the authenticity that he is, what he's achieved in his life, what he represents, and his values that or the loudest thing about him are his values. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's every meme on any social media platform that has anything to do with a deep set of values and selflessness and giving back. It's got Keanu Reeves' face on it. Like, there's just certain undeniable facts about him that I was like, I want to learn from you. I don't care what it is. Give me, let me learn anything from you, and I'll be eternally grateful. That's so interesting. Now, we spoke about quotes. You love your quotes. What is a quote that you've read recently that has really resonated with you? I have to choose between three. Well, so read them just all. just a quick second. You can read them all. You know what? No, I'll go with 
I'll go with the one that actually was anonymous, even though I think that was something Bruce Lee said, and maybe it was just misquoted. Okay. Um, allow yourself to bend. If you don't, you'll break. Oh, wow. That's powerful. So if you, if you imagine a tree, right, the trees that are super hard come a, a big storm, they snap, branches fly off, or even such things as a tornado, you'll see that there'll be one tree standing and the 20 around it will all be broken down. And that different breed of tree with a softer wood, more pliable, um, is still standing because it has room to give. Mm, more you know, flexible. It's not so firmly rooted that it can't breathe, that its very energy isn't just rooted into hard, unforgiving, unloving, unopened energy. Oh. And that applies to my life in so many ways because even on this new journey that I'm on where I'm so devout in my faith, um, and I say that it's, it's so new, so I don't, you know, I don't mean to overstep to anyone that's hearing this and being like, dude, you're just changing your life around. <laughs> because it's true, like I'm embarking on a whole new chapter of my life. But in, in everything, you have to be open-minded. You have to be willing to give yourself a bit of slack. You have to give yourself a margin of error. You have to allow yourself time to fail. You have to allow yourself to succeed and then know that there's a rebound. There's so many repercussions, so many sways in life. Yeah. And and with that metaphor of trees, I think you can have that solid core and the roots mm-hmm. and, your va- and your values and what you stand for, but still be open and like have an open heart and a clear mind and be receptive to whatever comes your way. That, exactly right. It's, it's funny you say the roots because... If you actually look at the anatomy of trees like that, the, the trees that sway more, they have deeper, stronger roots. The, the trees that are stiffer, they get upended because the roots aren't as deep. They're wider. There you go. Metaphor for life. Love there a good go. quote. <laughs> and final question of this interview, Zach, is what is your number one book recommendation? So, um, I don't know what your viewership is, so I'm going to say this with all respect. This is only the title of the book. This is not my chosen language. Okay. Um, it is a book um, that I just picked up. Um, I'm actually looking up the name of the guy now because, while well, I know the title. Um, I want to make sure I get his name right. I believe that, yes, it is. It's John Kim. Okay. And he is uh, – he lives out in California, but he wrote he, – um, he started as like a vlogger, blogger, columnist called The Angry Therapist, and now he writes books, and that's actually what he does. Um, and this book is called I Used to Be a Miserable Fuck. That is the actual title of his book. And when asked about it, I, again, I'm, I'm trying not to be vulgar on your podcast, but um, that's exactly what he says. He's like, I used to be a miserable fuck. There's no other word for it. And as I read this book, it's all about like women are women are okay to read this book too. That's why I say it's my favorite book because for men or women, um, but it is aimed towards men to understanding what our role is in the world. The first opening preface is about like guys, we are the ones ruining the world. This isn't a male female power. There's no femininity, feminine project being upended here. This is you as a man have a certain role in this world that is undeniable regardless of your belief system, and you have certain responsibilities no matter what choices in life you make about your energy, controlling who you are, what you give to the world, the, the consequences of your actions. It's uh, an every man's guide. Hold on, what is the actual title? Because that's super important. An every man's guide to a meaningful life. I love that. And that's what we all want, a meaningful yeah, life. A meaningful life. So this yeah. book will go to good use because I have a tradition on my show where I give the guest the book that was recommended by the previous guest. So Amazing. before this, I interviewed Laurence and Nick, and they actually recommended, he recommended The Champion's Mind, so you're reading that right now, but Laurence, <laughs> Laurence recommended Untethered Soul. Have you read it? I have not. It is actually on my bookshelf waiting for me to read as soon as I finish this one. So okay, so I, I don't need to get it to you. You already have it, but actually she was recommended it by patch and she found it randomly in a secondhand store the same day that he mentioned it for two dollars uh so that's my recommendation to you i'm i'm happy you already have it because it shows that it's kind of in line with your interests and 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 curiosity it was actually a stephanie recommendation i think there's one she recommended the patch and she's like yep read this order it amazon go so that's your that's your next project then all right i like it i like the challenge but I just wanted yeah. to thank you so much for this conversation, Zach, for your honesty and for 
your depth of insight and perspective. I think it's really unique and something that I really admire and that everyone will benefit hugely from. So thank you. Wow, that is a compliment. Wow, that's huge. Thank you so much. It's been an honor being able to speak with you. You are such an inspiration to me. Thank you. I've listened to all your podcasts and I'm so honestly so proud to be able to be a part of your life. And you are very inspiring and I really hope that you stay passionate about what you're doing because what you're doing is super amazing. Thank you. On and off the ice. I appreciate it. Not just with this, but your skating and everything as well. Thank you so much. I'm Lila, and you've been listening to The Lila Joe Show. You can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter. If you haven't yet, head over to Apple Podcast and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next time for another episode. Thanks for listening.